0: All right, Alexander, let's uh, talk about a Financial Times uh, article where we are uh, looking at ramping up a conflict between the United States and China. Actually, the United States, Japan, and China over Taiwan. And in this video, we are going to talk about One Lieutenant General James Bierman, commanding general of the Third Marine Expeditionary Force in the Marine Forces Japan. And uh, what he told the Financial Times in an interview, what do we have going on here?
1: Well, I think it's extremely disturbing because what General Beerman is saying is that the United States is now straightforwardly preparing for war with China. I mean, you you can cut it and spin it in whatever way you like, but he says some really very, very alarming things, very revealing things. He says that, The war in Ukraine has taken the course that it has. The reason it's been prolonged is because of the way in which the United States helped arm Ukraine, build it up, set up ammunition depots and fuel depots and fortifications and things of that kind. And he says that they're now doing exactly the same thing in the Pacific. They're working with countries like the Philippines, but above all with Japan in order to try to build up a military coalition to take on the Chinese. And the way he talks about it is straightforwardly anticipating a future war between the United States and China. Now, I I recall that some months ago on a video that we did, on the Duran, uh, we had a guest, I think, it, I can't remember which guest it was, but I think it might have been Larry Johnson, who told us that there was one particular U.S. military official in the Far East who was coming, coming up with all sorts of extremely dangerous plans for uh, waging war against China. Now, I do wonder, reading these comments um, in the Financial Times, whether that person might have been General Bierman. Just speculating. But regardless of that, what Bierman is saying, what Bierman is saying about the way in which the US and Japan are, for example, integrating their military command structures and how they're building up their defenses and working together to wage war against. China. What's clear is that this is not just one official who's gone rogue. It is the considered and established policy of the United States government to prepare for a war with China in the Far East. And I have to say, I find that incredibly alarming. The Chinese who undoubtedly read the Financial Times, who do in fact read the Financial Times, are going to be extremely alarmed as well of course, they will already know an awful lot about this from their own intelligence, and they will be working very hard to counter every one of these moves that are being made by General Bierman and uh, um, the U.S. and the U.S.'s allies in this region. And it has to be said that the battlefields for the next war in the Pacific are being prepared, because that's what this article in the Financial Times is telling us.
0: Yeah, but the interesting part about all of this is that um, the U.S. has admitted that it can't fight two wars at one time. Um, Blinken came out a couple of weeks ago and said that uh, the U.S. had to pull out of Afghanistan in order to prepare for Ukraine. Um, Nikolai Patrushev actually said the other day that uh, the withdrawal of uh, the American forces from Ukraine, from uh, Afghanistan, had a lot to do with the U.S. focusing on Ukraine. So the question becomes, if the U.S. is going to focus on China and Taiwan, well, then it's going to have to pull out of Ukraine.
1: Absolutely. Now, can I just quickly add, because I think it's a point that is important for us as a channel and which we should make way back. I think it was in the spring or early summer. We had a discussion here on the Duran. You can probably find the video if you research it. And we said at the time that it did look as if the U.S. pullout from Afghanistan had been in order to prepare for the conflict in Ukraine. So, you know, it's nice to see people like uh, um, Blinken confirming it and Petrushev commenting on it. But you heard it first if you did hear it. On the Duran. <laughs> just, just to say that. Now, uh, uh um, um, I agree. I, I don't think the United States can sustain a war on two front fronts. Blinken is saying that. We've had this information from people like Brian Baletic about the shortage of Patriot missiles, for example, that there aren't enough Patriot missiles already to meet all the commitments, and that the more Patriot missile systems the United States, send, states sends to Ukraine, the fewer there are for the Pacific, where there are already major gaps and shortages. So at some point, if the plan is indeed going to be war in the Pacific with China, they will have to make a strategic choice. They will have to decide, assuming the war in Ukraine is still going on, they will have to decide between Ukraine or between China. China is, of course, the more important place I mean, it's strategically vital. So you might say to yourself, well, in that case, sacrifice Ukraine, except I don't think that is what they're going to do. I think the instinct in Washington is going to be completely different, at least from the side of the neocons. I think the instinct will be try to escalate in Ukraine, (laughs) try to get Ukraine one in some form, or achieve there something that you can call a victory as quickly as possible before you face up to this conflict with China. And that c- could result in a lot more pressure for escalation in, uh, um, in Ukraine over the next few weeks and months. Yeah, I think
0: the neocon plan has always been to uh, to go after Russia first, and that opens the way towards uh, towards China. I don't think the neocons are going to move away from from that plan. No, I
1: agree. I completely agree. But of course, what's happening is the opposite (laughs) of what they intended. You have a situation where... um, Russia is again advancing in Ukraine. We've just done a program about this, but it looks as if the Bakhmut-Solidar situation is about to be resolved in Russia's favor. Perhaps the Donbass situation is as well. We did a recent program about the enormous military buildup that the Russians are now engaging in. We're getting more economic figures coming out of Russia, which suggests that the economy there is now in strong recovery. And so, I mean, you know, the attempt to create an economic crisis is not worth We're getting more reports too that oil prices over the course of 2023 might start to increase, which will plug any remaining holes in Russia's budget, which they're able to cover anyway from their savings. So, you know, it's not working. Breaking Russia isn't working. But They're not going to admit that. Now, you know, I saw a tweet by a retired US general, Ben Hodges, and he said, no, no, well, time isn't working in Russia's favor. Time is working in Ukraine's favor. Ukraine is going to win this war. Ukraine is going to take Crimea back. They're going to have Crimea back by August. That's what he said. So you can see what we're being set up for. It looks like a major escalation in Ukraine. Because Ultimately, if you're going to deal with China, you can't deal with China whilst Ukraine is unresolved, since negotiating a truce with the Russians on Russian terms is ideologically impossible. You have to escalate instead and hope that that gives you the victory that you gambled everything on.
0: Yeah, but the, the the conflict in Ukraine, the the fact that uh, the collective West and neocons are not able to achieve their goals by breaking Russia, plays plays well into into China's favor. I mean, China they they now gain, they see the collective West weakened, plus they gain the time to uh, to plan things out for something that they know is going to come. I mean, the Chinese know that we're next. They understand absolutely. That. Absolutely, and now they've they got know all the time because they've got Russia there, and they've got all the time to to prepare for things.
1: That's exactly that is exactly correct, which is why the Chinese are are, are quietly supporting the Russians in this. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> obvious. I mean, a, 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 and you're absolutely correct. What started as a play to weaken Russia, so as to detach Russia from China and then isolate China and go after China, has worked out. In the opposite way, it's strengthened Russia, strengthened the alliance between Russia and China, and is in fact weakening the West because the West is not able to concentrate on China. It's got to send its missiles and its tanks and all those things to Ukraine instead, where, of course, they've been burnt up using, that's Putin's expression, by the Russians. So it's turning out opposite from what the planners if you like you can call them planners the neocon planners in Washington and Brussels and wherever expected but as I said they're not people who look back and think about that and say where did we make our mistake and is this something that's really working out do we um, do we Reverse gear in some way? Do we do we do we change our policy? Do we come to an agreement and see whether we can come to some kind of terms with the Russians? No, that's not what they do. As I said, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to say, "Well, look, it's not worked yet, but we must do more. If we do more, if we send a few more tanks in, if we send a few more missiles, if we send a few more um, aircraft, perhaps if we." Squ- Tighten the sanctions screws even further. Very difficult to think how that can be done now. Then we will achieve all that we set out to do, and at that point we can carry forward our great plan. So you see, you can see, you can see where it's going. You can see this uh, this division. By the way, just to, to show how again uh, fixated they are on their plan, I I I read um, an opinion piece in the Financial Times. Which referred to an article by the Atlantic Council, we know who the, who the Atlantic Council is I mean it's the political voice, if you like, of the hardliners, the neocons, and especially within the NATO bureaucracy, and they talk about within ten years Russia will be either a failed state or will have disintegrated <laughs> and and you could you could see that that remains the plan. They're not really prepared to retreat from it because, of course, doing so is ideologically and emotionally unacceptable and comes with unacceptable political costs.
0: I wonder if you can make the argument that, uh, and, and I know you can't compare Afghanistan to the commitment to Afghanistan to, to Ukraine. Well, maybe you can. I mean, they were in Afghanistan for a long time, so... There's that, but um, okay, two, two, different, uh, two different conflicts, two different countries. But in Afghanistan, they did cut and run pretty much in the middle of the night. I mean, you know, one minute they were there, the next minute they were gone. One minute everyone thought that the U.S. was going to stay in Afghanistan for another 20 years. Uh, even Biden was talking about how the U.S. is committed to Afghanistan. And, and the next morning, that was it. The U.S. was gone, it was out. It was that that quick so i wonder if you could you could make the argument that you know they maybe they will do the same to ukraine if things get really really bad or if they see that you know what we're we're losing in a big big way let's take the media hit for a week okay there's going to be a week of a lot of bad press let's take the hit we've got biden in there and you know who cares if biden's reputation gets uh gets dragged through the mud um you know let's just let's just leave and prepare for china in the middle of the night like we did in afghanistan i'm not saying that's going to happen i think that's very low low uh, possibility that that happens but uh you know they, they did do it in afghanistan so you know they, they could do it in ukraine i guess and then you can also factor in the uh the new house maybe the new house in uh being under republican control and if mccarthy is a big if, but if mccarthy uh follows through on his assurances and his promises you know the the house is going to uh to start monitoring the the spending and, and the weapons that are going to ukraine they did you know mccarthy's supposedly mccarthy promised that he is going to uh to stop the uh the, the limitless uh spending and, and weapons going to ukraine Two big ifs, but maybe, maybe the neocards, maybe these groups of uh, warmongers will say, you know, let's just grab our stuff in the middle of the night and poof, we're gone, like we did in Afghanistan. Low probability of that happening, I agree. But you can make that that argument.
1: I, I mean, first of all, it's entirely possible. I mean, this is a scenario that one can imagine. And by the way, talking about the Republicans, I mean, in a way, you can see what, the neocons and people like that might do they might say, "Look, we were fully behind Ukraine, but then these bad Republicans came in, they took over the house It's they who betrayed Ukraine, not us, because they started to demand you know audits and checks and uh, um, and they weren't allowing us to provide all the weapons and money that Ukraine needed, and it was they who stabbed every, the Ukrainians in the back and caused the collapse. it's our fault that it all went wrong. It's the fault of well not McCarthy perhaps himself, but maybe it is McCarthy, but all the all the hardline Republicans there to blame. So you can see you can you can see that narrative and I would not be surprised if we start to see that narrative being established. Because what these people are, let's never forget this, are geniuses in constructing political narratives which their friends in the media then regurgitate and then which become the conventional wisdom. I don't think they're going to do it this time over Ukraine. I think it's going to be as easy to do as it was over Afghanistan for two reasons. Firstly, they viscerally hate Russia (laughs) in a way that Afghanistan, they never had that kind of emotional Uh, uh, you know, feelings about. These people really are emotionally engaged when it comes to anything to do with Russia. And I think that affects their judgment. But secondly, and I think even more important than that, is the sheer political impact of a withdrawal and of a collapse in Ukraine. Afghanistan, well, you know, if you pull out of Afghanistan and the other side takes over, well, As you said, it's a week or two story, but ultimately, to be blunt and truthful about this, very few people really care. If your Ukraine collapses, well, not only do you have millions of Ukrainians all over Europe now, and they would certainly care. But of course, you've had all of these European governments, all of these people in Europe who've become very committed to this, who are going to be extremely left extremely nervous and very worried and very, very frightened that they've antagonized the Russians. And now they have the bear on their doorstep again and that the United States has gone away like a thief in the night. So I think that's probably something that is going to anchor the neocons, to continue with this project, Um, given that the other way of doing it, negotiations, is an impossible one. To be clear, they're less likely to negotiate a solution to this problem than they are to do what they did in Afghanistan, which is simply to cut and run. They don't want to negotiate with the Russians under any circumstances, not seriously. So they might prefer just to cut and run. But I think for the reasons I said, they probably won't want to cut and run. They will want to double and triple and quadruple down before they do that.
0: No, no doubt. They're, they're going to quadruple and and 5x and 10x down. There's no doubt about that. But you have to admit, at, from a technical standpoint, leaving Afghanistan was, was kind of uh, kind of tough. I mean, they left everything. They left all their equipment, everything behind. Everything. I mean, Ukraine, they don't have that problem.
1: No. You know, no, Ukraine, it's, it's
0: just, true. Uh, it's, it, it's like you said, it's, it, it, it's the media, it's the perception, it's the trust, it's, it's Europe, it's all these things, the political dimensions. But as far as actual physical stuff and, and you know, a presence, I mean, in Afghanistan, they left everything, everything. In Ukraine, it's just, okay, we're, we're, stop, we're going to stop sending money, see you later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. That's, that, that, that's absolutely correct. But as I said, I mean, optics matter for these people to an incredible degree, to an unhealthy degree. But as I said, their geostrategic games that they play matter for them even more. And to be frank about this, Ukraine is too important in their grand chessboard plan to be simply sacrificed easily in that kind of way. So, yes, I can see them doing it eventually. But for the moment, I think that they will put off that day as long as they can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, we got a little bit off on a tangent, but.
1: Well, no, I don't think so, because because the thing to understand, just, just to finish on this, is that for the neocons, Everything is connected. It wasn't us in this program who made the connection between the fight in the Pacific and the fight in Ukraine. It's Lieutenant General (laughs) Beerman. He's asked about what's going on in the Pacific. And what does he do? He talks first about Ukraine. So, you know, for these people, everything forms part of the grand strategy, the big game that they're playing, if you like. And I think that we are absolutely justified given that, to follow the, to follow through and to examine the logic of their position and to see where it leads. Yeah,
0: they've taken the the grand chessboard, and I believe that wasn't coined by Brzezinski, was it?
1: No, or, I don't believe it or was. Or I mean else I got that. to that somebody wrote else got it but no.
0: Yeah, they, they've taken that whole grand chessboard thing just way, way too
1: seriously. Absolutely. I mean, they, they've
0: internalized it to an unhealthy degree, yeah.
1: Very unhealthy degree. And I mean, it's, I mean, you know, chess is a game, you know, international relations, geopolitics isn't a game. It's a matter of life and death for nations. And you know, if you play it like a game, you just lose all sense of reality. And that's what they've done.
0: All right, we will end it there at Durand.locals.com. We are on Rockfin as well, and go to the Durand shop. 10 percent off use the code. Good day. Take care.